What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Let's ride. For the words that are recited before each and every game here at Dodger Stadium. Take it away, Finn. It's time for Dodger Baseball. What is up, Dodger fans? Hope you're doing well out there, and thank you for listening to another episode of the Incline Dodgers podcast. We are presented by Fansided and TickPick. This is one of the most monumental days in Dodgers history as the Shohei Otani, Shohei Otani <laughs> signing is officially in the books. The Los Angeles Dodgers have made it official They've announced that the Dodgers have signed Shohei Otani to a 10-year, $700 million contract. They made the corresponding roster moves. We are going to get into all of that in just a few minutes. Of course, I butchered it at the very beginning of the show, but that's okay. Jake Reiner, you're up first. How's it going, my friend? Well, I'll tell you one thing, Kevin. Shohei Otani's deal is anything but Otani. Let me tell you that, first off. Um <laughs> Love it right out of the gate. Anyway, um, this is a this is a, a great day in Dodgers history. It really is, and the the fact that uh, it all became official today, I think, was one of the things that I felt was like the most relieving thing. Right, like obviously Shohei posted it on Instagram, so it was pretty much a a, a done deal. But you know, you you never know I mean, with the with the physicals and all of that. I mean, we saw what happened with Carlos Correa and all that. So like. I just wanted to wait till the dust settled to where I could finally just take a deep breath and let it out. Um, this this is special, and I, I don't really think it's fully sunk in for me yet. But it's but I know it's special. Absolutely, man. This is just a fucking great week. If I'm being honest, up there with some of the best moments in Dodgers history, Shohei Otani brings so much power to the Dodgers, not only on the field. But off the field, the incentives, the endorsements, the media around the globe, this is about to put the Dodgers in line 
with some of the other biggest world franchises. I'm talking Real Madrid. I am talking soccer in South America. The Los Angeles Dodgers are no longer just a national media buzz. They are going to become a global sensation. And I'm so glad that Chris Camello has joined us tonight because this is another guy who's big on the Otani train. Chris Camello, how you doing? Well, I do you guys remember the song, Oh Happy Day? <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. So I came up with a parody of it. And I think the best way to express how I'm feeling is by singing a verse. Oh, Tani Day. Oh, Tani Day. Oh, Tani Day. Oh, Tani Day. When Otani signed. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. When Okay. Uh, that's you know, Camilla, you don't have the you don't have the worst voice in the world. I thought I I didn't know what we were in for, but uh, that <laughs> no, that wasn't half bad. <laughs> I appreciate that, Jake. No, this uh, a monumental signing. Uh, this was something. Even my girlfriend, who's uh, you know big baseball fan, big Dodger fan, uh, she was she was saying if all the Dodgers do is get Otani, I'm happy. Uh, so this this was huge. When you have the casual Dodger fans that are saying Otani or bust, never mind Randy Rosarena or Corbin Burns or addressing the starting pitching staff like guys like us have discussed. This is a major victory in and of itself. A two-time MVP, uh, one of the, I mean, in six years, he's become the best baseball player in the world. I mean, that that's very difficult to do in that short of a time span. One of the great pitchers in the game, one of the great hitters of the game, he's going to bring not just a, a presence of excitement, but he's going to bring an edge to this club that I think has been missing the last couple of years that not even Freddie Freeman has been able to bring. So I think for a guy that's hungry to win, and, and we're gonna, I'm sure going to get to the deferments, but for a guy that's hungry to win, he's going to bring the edge and the leadership I think needed to get this team to the next level. So just a monumental sh signing. Shout out to Andrew Friedman. And one more thing, guys, the happiest guy was not was not who you think it was. It was Dave Roberts. He was off the hook for putting out the fact that they had a meeting uh, this past week at Dodger Stadium. So now he's in the clear. <laughs> Fair enough. Let's get into this contract because this is something of the likes I've never seen before. First of all, we already knew about the $700 million contract, but it's not really a 10-year $700 million contract. Up front, it's actually a 10-year $20 million contract because these deferments are absolutely bananas. Shohei Otani is going to defer $680 million to after his post-playing days. The first 10 years, the Dodgers are giving him $2 million a year because the whole idea here is to put the Dodgers in a financial flexible situation so they can go all in on starting pitching. Yoshinobu, Yamamoto, Tyler Glass now, maybe Blake Snell, maybe Dylan Sees, maybe Jordan Montgomery, maybe two, three of these guys, Lucas Giolito, they're about to have the financial cap space to sign two awesome ace-like starters thanks to Shohei Otani and his team-like attitude. I mean, this is insane to defer essentially $68 million a year so that the Dodgers can be in a financial position to essentially be a juggernaut let's talk like one of the all-time great teams because of this. I can, I, this is just, this isn't even the Dodgers tactic. This was Shohei Otani's idea. Yeah. And I, and just to that point, I think 
it's one thing to kind of come up with this mastermind plan of all these deferments and to you know spread this contract out as they as they've drawn it up, right? But it's another thing for the player to actually accept this deal. And that's what happened here. It was a collaborative effort between two uh, entities that are A, focused on winning and B, focused on making a shit ton of money. So those are the two biggest factors here. But I think one thing I wanted to add about what has been so fascinating about this Andrew Friedman regime is that he started at an organization like the Tampa Bay Rays where they didn't have the kind of money that he's rolling in right now. And so he had to go find guys off the scrap heap. He had to build from within. He had to piece it together money ball style. Then he comes over to the Dodgers, still has that mentality with all the money that he has. And he turns Max Muncy into an all-star. He turns Chris Taylor into an all-star. Now, granted, that also has a lot to do with the player and the coaching staff. But finding these diamonds in the rough building a core nucleus that has been successful his entire time that he's been here. And now they've waited and they've saved up for the big fish Otani to go after this off season and to structure the deal this way to pay this much money to this guy and structure it in this way because they want to keep building winning teams. I mean, it's just a stroke of genius that, that we've never seen before in this sport. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, I couldn't believe my eyes when Fabian Ardaya broke the news that the Dodgers and Shohei Otani were in this deferment agreement. And then all the other journalists flocked in, such as Jeff Passan and Bob Nightingale. And I mean, Bob Nightingale has been on a roll with his tweets recently and his articles. He called out the media, the guys that were the first to get it wrong and called him out for kind of uh, defaming journalism as... Bob Nightingale, he's not the best when it comes to accuracy with his grammar, but <laughs> he's made one mistake a couple years ago. But other than that, he has integrity and he makes sure he gets it right. And my, my favorite one from today was uh, your bit Vivaldi is headed to the Yankees <laughs> to clear a roster spot. <laughs> that was my favorite. But no, but Bob, honestly, what what a job well done of, of calling out his colleagues. I know that's a tough thing to do because these guys are all friends. They're all buddies. They all... They're all know each other and they're, you know, they're all stick up for each other right. and Bob Nightingale to call them out. But not only that to turn the, you know, the camera around on him a little bit because he also admitted that he does also make mistakes. So to have that transparency in there, that's a kind of journalist that you can trust. Sure. Yeah. And, and this obviously guys, this, this hits home for, for me as well, because I, you know, turning back the clock, I, I, I've been in the media business um, as a journalist, reporter, podcaster, whatever you want to call it. I, I've been credentialed media for Clipper games, for USC. Um, I even years ago, I covered an Angels and a Dodgers spring training. So this hits home because I also broke a story back in 2017, the re-signing of Kenley Jansen and Justin Turner. I broke that news on Sunday night and Ken Rosenthal broke it on Monday and he acknowledged me for getting that uh, that start right but not everybody is that fortunate i remember two years after that bryce harper we all saw that he was linked to the dodgers being a free agent in washington and i was on top of that story i had a source who was close to the front office who had knowledge of the situation who was feeding me information and the dodgers were very close on that and people were and this wasn't even like a done deal and i was just reporting the information that i had 
And eventually we all know what happened. Harper ends up in Philadelphia and people were very toxic toward me saying that I got it wrong, that I was clout chasing, that I was doing all of that. And I wasn't, I was reporting on what I heard. And this is what Morosi, Rosenthal, Passin, in the NBA world, Woj, Shams Sharania, you know, Schefter. This is what these guys do. They report on information. Now, in this particular instance, with a guy like J.P. Hornstra, somebody that I've been reading and following for years, I've had him as a guest on my podcast. He's a great guy. Nice guy. He's a grinder. He's more of a day-to-day, you know, following the team type of news, not so much a news breaker. So when he was out in front of this, I was a little surprised. He's on his first week with Dodger Nation. And, you know, when it was when he said this is not a drill, he's going to Toronto. And he said multiple sources, not one source, multiple sources. So whatever happened, what was so crazy about this situation, guys, was two journalists in good standing on the same day got the wrong stories. That is unheard of. One, maybe, but definitely not two, especially two who've been in the business as long as they have. So that was really shocking to, to see because we see Morosi on MLB Network. We see him on Fox. You know, he's been covering the NHL as, as well. Hornster's been with the Dodgers for a long time. You, you'll see him on Spectrum, uh, which is be Sportsnet LA. So when they got these stories wrong, it really showed you, you know, how sources can't sometimes get things wrong, but I don't think it was the aspect of lying from these guys. And I hope that the fans, even though they want to troll and that's their right to do, both those guys understand it. They deserve it. It comes with the territory, but lying and getting something wrong are not the same things. I I think I just want to point that out. Yeah, I know. I think you're right, Chris. And I think anybody with a brain that knows how any of this works knows that these guys aren't belligerently lying to the public. Right. That's not what's happening here. And stuff changes too, Jake. Stuff yeah, of course. Things change all the time. We like right. to use the word fluid in the business. Not one of my favorite words, but it's one that is used. But in this case, JP's sources may have led him astray. They may have fed him bad information. They may yep. have fed him bad information on purpose. I mean, those are, you know, if you really want to get into the weeds, those could be the considered the bad actors. My problem with what JP Hornstra did was just the kind of sweeping under the rug aspect of him getting this wrong or trying the fact to- that he stood by it for so long, gave kind of a weird metaphor apology article that, I mean, just come out and say you were wrong. I mean, give credit to JP Morosi. He was the one that actually came out on Twitter and said, I got this wrong. I'm sorry. You know, I screwed up. But there, was no, there was no concession like that with JP or Dodgers Nation for that matter. Yeah, and I think Jake just pointed out the big difference between the two JPs. One was sincere and apologized. The other, I don't know what his intentions are. Chris very well Chris very well might be right. He was fed bad sources. But if you're going to be a professional like this, you need to have more than just one or two sources. You can't just go out there and definitively say, this is a done deal. Shohei Otani has signed to the Toronto Blue Jays. Look at me. Read my article. It's a done deal. I'm the first to report. Bullshit. That's what I have to say. His credibility is torched. Ramona Shelburne came on ESPN today, and she said if anyone at ESPN did that, or I should say on ESPN Radio today, if anyone at ESPN did that, they're fired. And honestly, for 
I just feel bad for the Toronto Blue Jays fans, first of all, because they had their hopes up. They were told this is a done deal. And yeah. to then be deflated like that, that's defeating going into the 2024 season. Knowing that horrendous. And guys, let's go back four four years ago, right? When the Kawhi Leonard situation, and that might've been 10 times worse because I knew colleagues, I'm sure you guys did too, who felt like they were close to the situation because they were talking to Kawhi's people or people who had connections to Kawhi Leonard. Now that's a different situation because that could also be being fed intentionally bad information. Jake, you touched on this right now. And a lot of people, including people that I know and respect who been in this business a long time ended up getting called clowns and you know just every name in the book for getting a situation wrong and all they were doing was reporting the news that they were being felt just like i was with the bryce harper situation did i get it wrong yes here's the difference i never said it was a done deal i said that this is what the dodgers are gearing up for and it could change and the phillies came in 11th hour gave them 13 years 30 extra million dollars, and that was it. That blew the Dodgers out of the water. And Bryce, as we know, wanted to be in Philadelphia. So these things can change, but know who you're listening to and be careful, not just what you tweet, but how you tweet it. No, that's, I mean, words matter for sure. And I think that from the standpoint of where Bob Nightingale was coming from, he detailed in that piece about how, you know, agents will placate certain reporters. They will get reporters to tweet things out to gain leverage and things like that. And Bob Nightingale's been around the block. JP Horn, both JPs have been around the block. Right. I just feel like, you know, they there be. has to be a lot more. You have to be so much more careful with a breaking news story like this that you don't get it wrong. And then if you're going to tweet done deal, it better fucking be a done deal. And if it's not, your your reputation's going to be tarnished forever, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, imagine if Woj tweeted LeBron James to the Lakers and then it didn't happen. He would be done for life. Yeah. He would and be I, done for life. Didn't Rosenthal get the Scherzer to, to yes. Marjorie wrong? He uh, did. Yeah. I want to shout out Trey B. Dennis Gonzalez, good evening to you. What's up, James Donnelly, Maria G., Steve Moore, Jay. Bruce Davis, thank you guys all so much. If you haven't hit that like button yet, please hit that like button. We'll get to your questions in just a little bit. But back to Shohei Otani. $46 million is the key number here that will be counted towards the CPT, the, co the competitive balance threshold. And for the Dodgers, that means they still have some room to sign a Yamamoto, a Blake oh, Snell, yeah. any big name pitcher. And they don't even have to worry about going over the luxury tax just yet. That's much better than being at a figure where it's $70 million counted against the CBT, which is what I initially thought. So that's some great strategy right there. Um, so this is going to open up the door for so many moves. We'll get to that in just a minute. And it's not like Shohei Otani is going to be chump changed here with the $2 million a year because Bob Nightingale pointed out he's going to make $50 million a year in endorsements alone. So he'll be fine uh, financially. So don't worry guys. Maybe LeBron could give him a producer credit. <laughs> <laughs> why not? Uh, yeah. Why not use LA as, as much as you can use it, which is kind of funny. Cause it's like, people are saying like, Oh, he's coming to LA. It's like, yeah, he is coming to the real LA, yeah. which is Chavez Ravine. Um, 
I think it opens the door up completely for the Dodgers to get as many of these free agents as they want to now, only having to pay him $2 million. I mean, that opens the door for Yamamoto. That's a serious opportunity it's right there. It's a slam dunk. I'm calling that, it right it's now. A slam dunk. Yamamoto they could get Yamamoto. Slam dunk. They could get Yamamoto and sign a you know uh uh Montgomery if they really wanted to, if they really wanted to go crazy, or they or they make a trade for Cease. I heard that Burns might be off the table. Um, and I also heard from Fabian Ardaya that uh a Rosa Reina is not has not been discussed in the trades between the Dodgers and the Rays revolving around Glasnow, but boy, wouldn't that solve a lot of problems? No question, no question about it. And uh yeah, going back to that, first of all, I want to say one word unprecedented and i'm not just talking about the contract itself the 700 million over 10 years but this deferment is unprecedented and i'm going to take it one step further this could be a trend moving forward and this could also test out some of these other star players who sign these mega deals moving forward the next one up is going to be next winner at juan soto will some of these guys be willing maybe not to this extreme but be willing to you know implement this and how does the league regulate it that's going to be yeah. the question for it moving forward not to switch gears but i just wanted to kind of, i wanted you guys to yeah. kind of i mean i'd be curious how the agents are paid in that manner because like how does a guy like scott boris get his pay cut because he's, he's not exactly a young chicken anymore so is he going to be cool with juan soto with all those deferments that's that's actually a big big uh question moving forward but for like otani it makes sense but yeah, Chris, you bring a good point. This could be a new precedent. And my God, the Dodgers were already doing it with Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. I believe Mookie Betts, they deferred about 31% of his salary. Freddie Freeman was in the same ballpark. And Shohei Otani, they deferred 97% of his salary. They, they announced that his press conference will be Thursday, I believe. So I don't know what time yet, but everyone's going to be tuned into that. I mean, this is going to be an iconic press conference i imagine at dodger stadium it's gonna be wild yeah. it's yeah. gonna it's gonna be a party um yeah. here's the here's the the topic i want to talk about real quick because adding otani to this roster and again we know the dodgers are going to make other moves but the pressure now to win a world series is even more it's even heavier than it ever was i mean and it and yeah. it was always this with the Dodgers in this Andrew Friedman era where once they started making deep playoff runs, getting into world series, winning the, the 2020 world series, the pressure to win or bust has always kind of loomed around this team with Otani boy. It's like that on steroids now. And I just, am curious how you guys feel as Dodgers fans, knowing that that pressure is there. How are we feeling about that now, now Now that we have the greatest player in Major League Baseball? We took a year off in 2023. It was pretty much unanimously or the majority saying it wasn't a World Series or bust year, although uh, the, the three of us and probably David had different feelings saying we, we wanted to win a World Series and it should have been a World Series or bust mentality. But it, it's most certainly back on. The Dodgers are already the betting favorites to win the World Series like they are most years. The Dodgers are the new Yankees. And the reason I bring that up is because the Dodgers are about to be the most followed MLB team on Instagram, all of social media as well. The Yankees are a thing of the past. The Dodgers are the new 
face of Major League Baseball. They have the face of baseball, who is Shohei Otani. They have superstars in Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. And of course, they've won a World Series more recently than the New York Yankees. The Yankees getting Juan Soto is great to put them back on the map, but all eyes are on the Dodgers right now. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. No, no question about it. And, you know, let's be honest. It's been World Series or bust seemingly the last three seasons. And, you know, yeah, this may have been a throwaway year, but they pushed the bar up by winning 100 games and handily winning their division. So the fact that, you know, had they lost in the NLCS to a team like the Phillies or something, I don't think anyone would have really, you know, have been that upset. It was the fact that not only did they lose, but they were swept. And they were swept by an Arizona team that, really stumbled into the playoffs. I mean, if the Cubs play a little bit better, if the, Ray- <laughs> the Red Cubs play- win a game, <laughs> exactly. if, if Suzuki, you know, and Bellinger don't collide on that fly ball, maybe they win that game against Atlanta and they probably would have clinched that final spot. So I think that's really where it was, but here's what I'm saying about Otani. Yes. He's going to add a left-handed power bat in your lineup. Yes. He adds an element of speed. Yes. When he's healthy enough to pitch, he's going to be a frontline starting pitcher. Hopefully, Again, you know, it may take a year, but he it'll get hopefully he'll get back to that point. But there are other holes on this roster. You guys addressed it. They need two or three frontline caliber starting pitchers. They could use another right-handed power bat who could play a corner outfielder, a Randy Rosarena. But I'm actually intrigued by a guy like Teoscar Hernandez. I think even a guy like that, 25 home runs, 20 to 25 home runs, 70 to 80 runs batted in, plays the game with a certain amount of edge. He could play either corner left or right, and that's going to be good if you could platoon with Jason Hayward out there in right field. So there there are some other areas that they need to address. Maybe one more lefty in the bullpen. Uh, I, I think that that's something else that they could consider. But, yes, it is the bar is going to be high already. If they made no other moves, the bar would still be high. Oh, yeah. So they better be ready to meet the moment. But I think Otani is the right kind of star because he's hungry. Too many full stomachs in that dugout, guys. Too many full stomachs in that clubhouse, including from the manager, but also from the stars. And I was very vocal about this. Betts and Freeman were just as responsible for that series loss as Dave Roberts was. One for 21. Are you freaking kidding me? Are you kidding me? Otani's got to be the one who sets the tone in that clubhouse saying, hey, forget about the past. I don't care how many MVPs you won, how many World Series. World Series MVP means nothing to me. All that ha- all that matters is the here and now. And I hope he brings that edge to that clubhouse. Oh, I think he definitely will. I mean, that's that's who he's shown to be, is we a guy finally- that just wants to win. And as evidence of his contract, it kind of just tells you everything you need to know. We finally signed a superstar that isn't coming off a World Series win. Mookie Betts has two World Series wins. Freddie Freeman has a World Series win. Shohei Otani hasn't even seen the playoffs yet. And you have to believe that's going to translate and bite a fire into this Dodgers clubhouse. I have to believe that. This guy spent six years with the Anaheim Angels and was paired up with Mike Trout. Didn't even have one winning season. Now he's coming to the Dodgers. This is going to be, I hope, 
someone that lights and reinvigorates Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, Max Muncy, Will Smith, all the guys, because Otani didn't come here to just collect a paycheck and have fun. He came here to win not one, not two, but probably fucking three World Series wins, parades. And he said that in his introductory um, quote today that the Dodgers released. He said, Dodger fans, thank you for welcoming welcoming me to your team. I can say 100% to you, the Dodger organization and I share the same goal to bring World Series parades to the streets of Los Angeles. Well said. Well said. And um, another question I have with some of the pitchers that are available via trade, are you guys more open at this point to maybe moving a Miguel Vargas, a Michael Bush, you know, somebody along those lines in order to address the starting pitching, especially considering, you know, the struggles from Vargas uh, defense, uh, excuse me, offensively and the struggles from Bush defensively and really just not having a, a place for these guys every day. Well, that's that's the main thing is that they don't have a roster spot and there's no really pa- there's no real pathway for them now to make it to the major leagues on this roster because last year they gave Miguel Vargas the runway, they gave him second base and he just couldn't as you say Chris, meet the moment. He could not hang around uh long enough to see the full season in the playoffs. So, I think what they have to do is if they're going to go out and make some trades those are the guys you want to, those are guys you want to package because you want to sell high on these guys. Yeah. You don't want what happened to Cartaya to happen to these guys where they have a down year and Cartaya slips in the prospect rankings. He's still a, uh, you know, a, a guy that could be a great major league catcher. But the point is, is that you want to sell high on these guys so that, so that you can, val- you, you know, you can get as much value back, especially if they're not going to play on this team. Agreed. Agreed. It's over for Michael Bush. Like, where are you going to play him? <clears throat> exactly. I honestly think it might be over for Miguel Vargas. The only hope for him at this point is for him to be converted to a successful left fielder. And I think Chris mentioned it earlier. They kind of do need to platoon left field. They they have Chris Taylor, who's a right-handed bat. Um, I don't know who they'd add as a left-handed bat. Um, the more I think about it and the longer he just waits out there in the free agent market, it does feel like a Jock Peterson reunion could be a possibility. I'm God, more I would o- love that. Yeah, I, I'm more open to it this year than I have been in years past, just because I think I have PTSD from lack of power from David Peralta. And Jock Peterson, remarkably, was putting up beast numbers with the San Francisco Giants. And he's another guy that always seems to meet the moment and kind of like an X factor. The Dodgers have missed the last couple seasons role players that step up when you need them the most. So I do really like the idea of probably signing Jock Peterson because he would be inexpensive. Jocktober is real. <laughs> it was beautiful. It is real. I would love to have Jock Peterson back on this, on this roster, not only for his production, his ability to hit right-handed pitching, but just his clubhouse presence. He's such a character and he brings so much life with him into that clubhouse, into that dugout on the field. So I love Jock Peterson. I would be all in on that. I also want to bring back Kike Hernandez. I think he would be a valuable guy on the bench. We need to keep these guys. Don't don't let them out the door again because we've not been as dynamic on our bench without those guys. So bring those guys back and also bring back Ryan Brazier. I think it's just as important to keep some of these guys that we had last year as it is to go out and get talent in the starting rotation. 
and sure. also another outfield bat. I think the priority for keeping guys in house has to be Brazier, Kike Hernandez, and I love that Jock Peterson idea. Yeah, and and if uh, another left-handed bat, I believe he was just cut by the Atlanta Braves, uh, former Dodger killer Eddie Rosario. That wouldn't be a wor the, the worst idea either, you know, for a left-handed bat who could play left field. But I'm still intrigued by Teoscar Hernandez, guys. You know, right-handed bat who could play left or right. I think that's going to be. I think that's something to to consider. But that's just another idea. What do you guys think of Rosario? Chris, believe it or not, I'm in board with I'm on board with all your ideas. I'm such a sucker and a little bitch wow. for postseason narratives. I will take Eddie Rosario in a heartbeat. Yeah, say that again. <laughs> Who are I'm you little, on board with? I'm a little bitch. Oh no. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm on board with you. Yeah, that's right. Dude, Jock Peterson, Eddie Rosario. I'll take any of these guys that step up. And don't get used to it, Camelo. I'm in I'm on board with the Jock Peterson thing. And you're right, Jake. October is real because these guys met the moment in October. They never really shied away. I mean, yeah, the numbers may be they may have had a bad series or a bad stretch somewhere, but it seems like when they needed big hits, let's be honest, Dodgers win that 2017 World Series. More than likely, Jock Peterson is going to be your series MVP. Totally. Yeah, completely. Now I I I I actually said this when the Dodgers got eliminated from the postseason. I was like, I don't care. Give me every guy that's ever had success in the postseason. Bring them over. One or two of them have to work out, right? <laughs> you know what I Seriously. mean? Seriously. Agreed. Kike did. Kike did. Kike was the only one that performed in that freaking NLDS. Yeah. Which and is JD. Like, Those are the two guys with postseason success. Are the two guys, guys that stepped those up. Those guys together. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you're, you're right because – there's for some reason and we could also relate it to the basketball world robert ory would be like what averaging eight nine points a game during the regular season during the postseason 15 to 16 a game and mm -hmm. it always seemed like when you needed a big shot he was there Derek Fitch, got bob exactly playoff rondo <laughs> those guys are cut more from that cloth where it's like they may put up pedestrian numbers during the regular season but it seems as though when you need a big hit in october those guys are going to deliver. And just for a baseball reference, go back to 88, the Mickey Hatchers of the world, John Shelby. Those are the guys that tend to deliver. So, you know, I mean, that's just, that's just how it is. I can't explain it. I can't, it, I, you can't see it. I can't explain it to you, but it's there. Oh, a hundred percent. And I think, and also to the Ryan Brazier front, because I see a comment here that says the bullpen is a bit too full for Brazier. I don't think so. No. I, I, I think Ryan Brazier was an unsung hero. He was an absolute unit in that bullpen. Every time you needed him, he was able to put out the fire every single time. And that's what allowed Evan Phillips to be such a dynamic closer because Ryan Brazier kind of took over that Blake Trine and fireman role. And I think that they can't afford to let him go again. Just like yeah. they just like they should have kept Chris Martin. You know what I mean? Like definitely. Yes, yes, they can find other relievers and turn them into all-stars, but but wouldn't you want something you already know is good? And sometimes, Jake, to, to build on that point, that's an excellent point. Sometimes guys earn the opportunity to at least start next season and see yes. if they can duplicate that success that they had the previous year. So two, three things. First, thank you, Bruce Davis, for the kind words. Welcome to the incline. Second, I do agree with Maria G that Johnny DeLuca does deserve some more at-bats in 2024. He's... He was an excellent platoon guy, so I would like to see the Dodgers incorporate a little more out of DeLuca moving forward. 
And then finally to the bullpen talk. Now I do agree with the listener that this bullpen is a little bit full, but at the same time, Ryan Brazier is a must resign. Let's kind of go through what the Dodgers bullpen kind of looks like heading into 2024. So we know Evan Phillips, Bruce Star Gratterall, those are two righties. Joe Kelly, they just re-signed. That's the third. Um, Blake Trinan, assuming he's healthy, there's your Maybe. fourth. JP Fireisen is supposed to come back. There's five. Why are you thumbs downing him? Over Brazier? Come on. Well, he's on the roster, so they'd have to roster, but I agree with Jake. You could replace that dude with with uh with Ryan Brazier. Come on now. Well, he was electric before the shoulder injury. The Dodgers are investing. I, I just think with Fire Eisen and Trinan, I'm not holding my breath for those guys. So you might oh, as absolutely. well you might as well just pack the bullpen with guys. I mean, you know you're gonna need them throughout the whole season. Sure. And Kev, my, my apologies for interrupting. I was just I No, just, you're good. good. Continue. All right, they they, they do on. they do need probably one one or two more rice just to be safe, but that's five. Yancy Almonte they brought back. There's your six. And then Ferguson's a lefty. Vessi is a lefty. So that's eight relievers. They're going to need five starters. So that's 13 pitchers right there. So it gets a little tricky because Almonte has no options. So they'd have to get rid of him altogether. So I was actually a little surprised they brought him back. Um, maybe they trade one of these guys. Maybe Fire Ice and starts the season on the IL and they can kind of manipulate the roster. But I just, I, Jake, I, just, I agree. Bring back yeah. Brazier. I think you got to bring back Brazier because. I, I can't imagine that they would choose Joe Kelly over Ryan Brazier. But just the simple fact that Joe Kelly, as good as he can be, he is very injury prone and was last season and isn't as reliable as Ryan Brazier was for this team. Right. So it seems a bit odd that they would choose Joe Kelly and say, oh, we got Joe Kelly. We're not going to go out and get Ryan Brazier because his bullpen is too full. I really think that, Brazier is going to be back in Dodger blue. But then they do do that, which is kind of frustrating because they did that with Chris Martin last season. Yes. And they said, we're going to ride bad knees Hudson. Right. Uh, I don't understand why they put so much trust in guys that are just perpetually injured as opposed to guys like Chris Martin, Ryan Brazier that, you know, are reliable and are just, and, and, and the thing is, is that Dave Roberts, we know loves a guy that can, he can just run out there like with a rubber arm, just keep going out there. And Ryan Brazier was that guy. Every time he called on him, he was ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the only mistake I think uh, he did was give up that home run to Lourdes Gurriel Jr. in game two. And even then, you know, I mean, it was, it was a big home run, but let's be honest, they, they didn't lose that game because of that home run. They lost that game because of how bad Bobby Miller was and how bad the offense was right. in that particular. But yeah, you know, I, when you run down the names, it actually sounds really good, Kev. Uh, my thing is just the lefty situation. I, I liked what Vessia did the final months of the season, even though they were lower leverage situations. If he could kind of find a way to getting back to where he was, you know, late last year and, and obviously the year before that, that would be good. But what lefty, like lower leverage lefties are available that could, you know, everyone's talking about Josh Hader, but is there another guy out there that they could kind of develop or, or bring in? Uh, to to um, you know add to this bullpen because I think that's the one area I'm a little concerned with. I'm not too sure, honestly. Left-handed relievers is a free agent market I haven't been <laughs> scouting, but the fact that they traded Victor Gonzalez kind of tells me they probably need to add a left-handed reliever because can you really ride Ferguson and Vessi all season? 
the Dodgers do have a good track record of finding guys that are either DFA'd or or um, they just make a small move trade and bring in someone and then they excel. But yeah, I think the Dodgers do need a little bit more depth in terms of the left-handed relievers. And can we just talk about Victor Gonzalez for a second? Yeah, let's let's get to that trade. Go ahead, Jake. Okay, so to, in order to free up the roster spots for Joe Kelly and Shohei Otani, the Dodgers shipped out Victor Gonzalez and Yorbit Vivas, not Vivaldi. Um, and uh, Vivas, I we didn't really get that much of a look at him, but um, so I don't really have that much Unless of an. Unless you went to spring training. Yeah, well, I got a yeah, I got a quite a I got a lot of Yorbit Vivas at uh, Camelback Ranch. No, um, the thing with Victor Gonzalez that makes me sad is how great and electric he was in the 2020 playoffs, and especially that World Series Game Six. Um, he just was he burst onto the scene that year, and we thought we found another diamond in the rough, and it was electric, and he was so good and so dominant. And then he hurt his knee and then he hurt his arm or whatever. And he just was never able to come back and be anywhere close to that guy. You thought maybe in stretches last year, you started to get the idea that maybe he was putting it back together, but ultimately he just couldn't be trusted in big situations. And so I'm a bit sad to see him go because of how integral he was to that world series team. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, you know, I love the energy that he brought. He was a huge part of that bullpen in 2020. Uh, and not just as like a situational lefty, but he got a lot of high leverage outs. Uh, but yeah, you know, the injuries kind of kicked in. It was a condensed season. That means a condensed off season. Uh, and, you know, the injuries just really piled up. And sometimes that could derail you. Uh, it doesn't need to be Tommy John or what Dustin May is going through right now, the flexor, you know, on, on your forearm or tendon. It could just be a knee injury or an, or an arm injury. And, it, and he missed most of the 22 season. He missed most of the 21 season. He, he came into camp and he was all trimmed down, just never was able to get himself back on track. And it, it is disappointing, but I'll always be thankful for, for Victor for what he did in 2020 because he was, he was outstanding uh, on a, in a Dodger bullpen that really uh, needed him. Yep. Yeah. Victor Gonzalez was an integral part of the Dodgers 2020 World Series run. And that's always going to be his legacy to me. It doesn't matter about the after years. 2020, he'll forever be solidified as a World Series champion. And so for that, we'll always thank Victor Gonzalez for that. But I mean, this trade could be a low key steal for the Dodgers. Yeah. No kidding. Trey Sweeney, first of all, if Dusty Baker was here, he'd be hyping him up because he's a Louisville, Kentucky guy. But second of all, this was a first round pick by the Yankees. He was basically a thing of the past because Anthony Volpe is their shortstop of the future. But make uh, don't sleep on Trey Sweeney. The Dodgers, first of all, needed some depth in the farm system for shortstops because that is a position we're kind of lacking. And at the very least, maybe they can convert him to a second baseman or a third baseman. I don't know, but he has some pop. 13 home runs in double A last season, 20 stolen bases, a 778 OPS. So I imagine for 2024, Trey Sweeney will probably start in double A, but he should probably work his way up to triple A pretty quick. Yeah. And also, it's been a while. It's been a few seasons now where the Dodgers shortstop depth in the farm system has been nothing. Um, we were riding with Miguel, uh, Miguel Rojas Gross. as our starting shortstop 
for the whole season, basically, um, after Gavin Lux went down. So to not have another guy that could be able to come up and play shortstop. I mean, we had Mookie Betts at shortstop for a minute. So to get this guy in the system who is, is projected to be pretty damn good and have a bit of pop too, and he can steal some bases from what I can see. Um, this is, this is great news and it's an insurance policy for Gavin Lux. I mean, who knows if we go out and get a shortstop before the season begins, but as it's currently constructed, um, this is great that he'll, he'll be in AAA. They said he's going to be in AAA this season at some point, maybe he gets a shot at the big club and we can see him, but this is a, a, a kind of a sneaky trade that was only meant to free up roster spots for Shohei Otani and Joe Kelly. And we might have gotten a gem. Yeah. I well, want to get to Maria. Oh, go ahead, Chris. Oh, no. I was going to say, I was going to say, leave it to uh, Andrew Friedman to find a bargain at the swap meet. One yep. That's his game. But also, too, I just want to say, aren't the Dodgers owed one after that Clayton Beater uh, trade? Where <laughs> uh, when his value was low, he goes to the Yankees, he figures some things out. Now he's a pretty good pitcher in their yep. farm system. And now the Dodgers can get somebody that the Yankees no longer need. And hopefully this guy can get himself back on track after kind of a slow start to his minor league career. Oh, totally. I'm going to get to Maria G's question right now. But before I do that, tick pick time. Did you know that opening day tickets at Dodger Stadium are running for $400 on tick pick right now? That is the Shohei Otani effect at its core. But tick pick is not limited to just Dodger games. The Lakers are so effing good right now. They are the first ever in-season tournament champions. You got to go get some tickets to go see the Lakers over at TickPick. There are no service fees at checkout. It's not just limited to those sports teams. The Clippers are in the mix. The Kings are one of the best teams in the NHL. So go support the LA Kings. The Rams are fighting for a playoff spot. And then you got the Chargers who are cooked. But if you want to see <laughs> the backup quarterback for the Chargers play, you can get your tickets at TickPick. And um, I just used TickPick the other day to see Depeche Mode in concert. Fucking phenomenal. All of that best fees or no fees, best prices phenomenal okay so maria g as currently constructed are we better than the diamondbacks the braves the phillies john boy media says no they said we need arms which we'll get i'm sure of it yeah well we're i bet you once spring training rolls around that question will change but he says as currently constructed i'm sorry but the Dodgers won over 100 games during the regular season, and they just added Shohei Otani to their roster. I don't think that the Diamondbacks, as as they've made some significant moves, Eduardo Rodriguez, one of them that comes to mind, I don't think that they're better than the Dodgers. Now, it does get a little interesting when you talk about the Braves, because the Braves are stacked and will be stacked for some time. So, I think that the Dodgers have maybe as good, maybe a little bit less, maybe a little bit better. It kind of, you know, that uh, 51, 49, maybe uh, kind of take on that. So I'm willing to say that maybe the Dodgers and Braves are kind of even ish. Um, what was the final? What was the other team? The Phillies. Phillies. I, I think the Dodgers are better than the Phillies. We've got breaking news here on the incline Dodgers podcast. This is a rumor mill update. According to, Tom Verducci, the Dodgers are targeting Josh Hader. Wow. Whoa. You talked about lefties. Well, there's a big one. Thoughts on the possibility. Well, hey, I mean, that's Hader. that's what we were talking about with Otani, right? Like 
the way that his contract is constructed, they can go out and get anybody. We were talking earlier that, you know, Josh Hader wasn't even a name we were going to discuss because of how expensive he was going to be. And in terms of what the Dodgers need the most, a, you know, a, a, a high leverage reliever was not one of them. But now that they have all this financial flexibility to be able to go get anybody they want, why the hell not? Yeah, I, I, I don't mind Josh Hader. Uh, obviously an exceptional talent, been, has been one of the great closers in this league for a number of years now. And the Dodgers have quite a bit of experience facing him, going back to his time with the Brewers and the playoffs. And then, of course, over the last couple of years with the uh, San Diego Padres. The issue with me is not the talent or obviously he plugs it. You know, Evan Phillips is a solid closer. He had a fine season, but this guy has been doing it for a lot longer and, and is definitely dynamic. My only issue is the attitude aspect of it, you know, is, is, you know, there, there've been some negative reports about how he is in the clubhouse specifically last year. Some things that he said, like, Hey, you know, I, I just want to pitch one inning. I just want to pitch the ninth inning. So maybe a new environment might make his attitude better. Maybe things were that toxic in San Diego new contract, that, new contract and everything like that. So who, who knows? But that's my only issue with Josh Hader is the attitude and also, when he does not have his stuff going, my goodness, can he get smacked around. However, it is a sexy name. It would, you know, uh, uh, give you a legitimate closer and put Phillips back into that, you know, fire, uh, you know, what do you call it? The firefighter role, the fire fireman, fireman role. Yeah, fireman role. And now you have a legitimate closer and you have another lefty in there too. So that's that's always a good thing as well. So we'll see. But definitely not surprised. They've been linked to Hater for quite some time. Yeah, I don't know if the move's going to happen, but it's certainly interesting to see that the Dodgers are still interested in high leverage, expensive relievers. So we'll see what happens there. I do feel like at the end of the day, the Dodgers would be at their best if they can put Evan Phillips in that fireman role. Maybe this is the year Brewstar Gratterall can be the trusted guy in the ninth inning. But we all know that you can be electric in the eighth inning, but for whatever reason... There is something mental about being the closer in the ninth, and some guys can handle it, and some guys cannot. Josh Hader is one arm that has absolutely proved he can handle it, and he would be a shutdown guy for sure. But let's get into some starting pitching options because also Verducci is Verducci, yeah, Verducci is reporting that the Dodgers are linked to Yamamoto. No surprise there. It's all over the map now. Dodgers have a meeting scheduled with Yamamoto and. A few days ago, I didn't think he was in L.A., right? In L.A. A few days ago, I didn't know if this was going to be a possibility with him seeking $300 million. Now with the Otani deferrals, $300 million doesn't really look like a scare factor at all. So I'm on board. I think this move's going to happen. It's going to come down to the Dodgers and Yankees, in my opinion, for who lands Yamamoto. I lean L.A. because of Otani. So that's one arm. I think this is potentially your opening day ace starter. Um, the Blake Snell rumors have been super quiet now, and I'm not really one to want Blake Snell, but I'm starting to kind of think the fact that the Dodgers don't have a legitimate lefty starter. And yep. usually the way this team operates is very silent and deadly. And the fact that there really haven't been many Blake Snell rumors out there, period, has me kind of thinking that the Dodgers and Blake Snell are having some, some serious negotiations. Well, if you, I mean, Dave Vassay has been pushing that narrative for that is ever. true. He, there's no bigger Blake Snell fan than Dave Vassay. 
he's uh, he's always been uh, all over that guy. So I could definitely see that. I mean, th- there's so many different ways this team can go, and all of them seem good. Like none of them seem like, oh, I I don't think I'd do yeah. that. I mean, literally any which way you go, you're going to be getting some pretty damn good pitching, which is a great position to be in. But I have to wonder, Kevin, if you could pick the pitchers that you want on this team, who would you pick? So, if you could pick two two starting okay. pitchers, so I can pick whoever I want without out like outside information, like so and so. They don't think they're going to get traded like a Corbin Burns, but I could. St- so I want Yamamoto and I want Corbin Burns. Those are my one, two, probably Burns one, Yamamoto two, who I think are the realistic targets at this point, probably still Yamamoto and Tyler Glass now. Tyler Glass now, while I like him, he does scare me a little bit injury wise. And that is something that I just, I, I just don't trust, but for me, my my two favorites would be Yamamoto and uh, Montgomery. Oh, I think Montgomery, those two yeah, would be my two him. picks. I think you got to, out of all of these pitchers, you got to go with at least one that is dominant in the postseason. So you either go, I you either go Snell or you go Montgomery. Both of them are great in the That's postseason. True. So I'm good with either one of those guys, and then pair them with a Yamamoto, a Burns, or a Cease. Any one of those combos, you're going to be good with. Yeah, and, and my only issue with Yamamoto, I understand the hype and all of that kind of that kind of stuff, is uh, you know a little bit unproven. And I wonder, are we overrating him at in in the MLB game? I, I I'm just throwing that out there. You know, I'm not. I I haven't really seen enough of the guy to really you know make a true assessment. But that's my concern. Blake Snell, I know brings you know I love the edge. Because I think that's such a major X factor when when you go into October. You need guys who want to go into that burning building known as October baseball. And Blake Snell has it. And Jordan Montgomery proved he has it as well. I've been a big Jordan Montgomery fan since he got called up from the Yankees. So I would love either one of those guys as far as right-handers go. I like uh, Glass now. I think Cease is more realistic. And I don't think he would be quite as expensive uh, because Glass now... Yeah, so I I think I think it's the opposite. Who I want is Snell and probably Glass now, but I think Cease to me might be a little bit more realistic. And and I only say that because uh, the White Sox have been willing to trade with the Dodgers in years past. So I think so you don't so you don't want Yamamoto, what? Chris. You don't want Yamamoto. I could live without saying. him. And the, no. okay, so That's I it. think. I think Dylan Cease is going to be more expensive than Tyler Glass now for a couple of reasons. One, cheaper salary. So the White Sox aren't technically obligated to trade him. Two, he has two years of control. Now we put the ball in the, the race court. Tyler Glass now is owed $25 million next season. Do you think the Tampa Bay Rays want to pay $25 million to a pitcher? Not only that, he's an expiring contract. If I'm Tampa Bay, you probably want to get rid of him because you know you're not going to re-sign him in free agency. And because of that one year of control, that should put the asking price a little bit lower than a Dylan Cease, hypothetically. Well, and also they're trying to sell high with Glass now because he's actually healthy right now, yeah. as opposed to him not being able to finish the season. So that's also a factor why they might want to get rid of him right now. That's true. And 
the injuries do scare me. This guy's thrown maybe 120 innings once in his career. He seems to average like 80 innings most of the time per season in his career. Yeah, that's He's not going to super cut injury prone. But the one thing that this is a narrative you can push, this is a contract year. And guys that are usually in their contract year somehow manage to find a way to stay healthy. To stay healthy. Throw it all out there. This is a guy that he can top out 98 to 100 miles per hour. His K through nine is, I think, the best in Major League Baseball when he's on point. The swing and miss stuff is there for Tyler Glass now. Now, he doesn't have a great postseason track record, which kind of contradicts everything we've been saying all show long. But pair him up with my Mark Pryor. Maybe good things happen. I'm willing to take a chance on one year of Tyler Glass now. Um, I wouldn't hate it if the Dodgers trade for him. Yeah, I, I think I think that definitely uh, I, I didn't know that. I thought it was the other way around, I guess. I thought Glass now had two years left and Cease only had one year. So I might have gotten my facts uh, screwed up on that. But yeah, any one of these guys, we just need capable, proven arms who could handle a certain number of innings and be willing to take the ball in game one or game two of a playoff series. That's what we're looking for, right, fellas? At the end of the day. Yep, 100%. Yeah. And I just I just would like Glass now to to be that guy if that's who we're signing. And and it just, it worries me. And the Dodgers do put a lot of faith into these guys who are injured a lot. So it's kind of a weird one for me. I don't know. I don't know if I could get on board with, with, with that, unfortunately. He, he's probably who we're going to get, but I, I would hope that they would go in another direction. Everyone, thank you guys for listening. This is awesome. If you have questions right now, drop them in the chat. If you haven't hit that like button yet, hit that like button. Be a subscriber. I haven't mentioned that all show long. Please subscribe to this podcast. We need your support. We love the interaction. So if you guys have questions right now, start to drop them. We will address those questions. Um, we did have a question on X from LCSW Dodger. Where does Shohei Otani hit in the Dodgers lineup? Two or three. Sounds right. Yeah, I mean, he hit he he hit second for the Angels, mm -hmm. so I could see him batting second and moving Freeman down to the third slot. But I mean, either way you slice it, he's either third or third or second. That's the one thing where you where where Roberts probably won't do the right left right left because if he did, he'd have to lead off Otani. I don't think he's going to do that. Or, Matt, second. or have Otani hit cleanup or Freeman hit cleanup or something like that. Right. And then who do you move up? I, you might have to, or Smith. Cause I don't want to move Smith up. I think Smith needs to hit fifth yeah. or sixth That's this year. I, 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 I'm not so sure that I want him batting third again. Thank you. Gaither. How insane is it that the Dodgers just added a guy who had a 180 WRC plus last season? And now you add that into the Dodgers lineup. Shohei Otani hit 304 with a 412 on base, a 634 slugging, 44 home runs. I mean, this is a guy also in 2021 who had 46 home runs. This is insane. So that I mean, he it's it's an incre he's inc an incredible offensive talent, and I think the speed is actually going to be a factor of him maybe hitting second because. Even though Betts doesn't have that much speed, I feel like getting Otani or Betts or both of them on in front of Freddie Freeman, who's an RBI machine, might be might be the move. 
um, just to get some guys with a lot of speed. And Freddie Freeman hits a ton of doubles, as we yeah. know. He almost hit 60 last year. So that might be the move in order to, to get a little more run production. But honestly, any way you slice it, because Freddie Freeman's a great uh, base base runner as well. I mean, he can steal bases. And can you imagine a Teoscar Hernandez carrying the bottom third of the lineup? Just saying. Gives you a little bit more depth and a guy that could give you 20-plus home runs. I'm not yep. going to let that one go. Yeah, you and um, you and D-Rose love, uh, love Teoscar Hernandez, so you're not a, you're not alone in that. The guy can hit. That's just what he can do. He yeah. can hit, and he's a solid. Another, another incline host that agrees with you, Chris. How do you feel about that? I want to see the Dodgers start the season off with Gavin Lux hitting ninth, just so that when the lineup turns over, you've got Lux, Betts, Otani or Freeman and vice versa. Dude, Lux was nice in the nine hole when he was, when he yeah, was I healthy. I think you should continue that when he, when he's healthy again. That's first a question. First okay. question coming from Michael Negretti. How about trading for glass now and a Rosa Reina? We haven't I... heard anything about the Dodgers trying to pursue Randy or Rosa Reina, but we all want that to happen. Harmony Davis. Can you explain the $2 million that Otani is going to get paid, obviously, but the $46 million CBT? I'm super confused. Uh, Kev, you touched on this earlier, didn't you? I don't know if I exactly touched on it, but I believe they calculated it almost like some type of average cost method oh. where they they factor in, okay, this is how much we're paying him over the duration of the 20-something years. And so they came up with the $46 million CBT annually. Yeah, that's uh, I'm going to go with that one, Kev. <laughs> you're, you're the, uh, you're the numbers guy. Thank you. Harmony for the question. Manuel, my question is when are they firing Roberts and or Kershaw? So we might get to, and just maybe win a world series. Whoa. Hmm. Interesting. That's kind of a, come on. Well, yeah, uh, unfortunately we can't fire Kershaw, but <laughs> I, I get what he's, I get what he's trying to say. Um, I would guess if they don't win the world series, <clears throat> Roberts is on the hot seat yet again. If they get bounced in the first round, we have to have a serious discussion. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think a lot of us emotionally were ready to get rid of him after getting swept out of the NLDS by the, by the D backs. But I think realistically we knew he was going to stick around. And if, well, they haven't gotten done building this roster yet, but I mean, if Dave Roberts can't take this roster, what it's going to be to the promised land, then I mean, I don't know what we're supposed to do. I mean, we can't can't keep running him out there. Yeah. But it also, honestly, it also matters from postseason to postseason, right? Of what happens, right? Because like, if Roberts manages how he managed during the NLDS again, I, I mean, he did a fine job, with the exception of the Lance Lynn thing, leaving him out there. Yeah, too or the and also, and also pinch hitting Austin right. Barnes. And but Colton other than Wong. that, we cannot have, yeah, we cannot have another fucking year where Colton Wong. Well, you know Quinlan what? The roster. You know what? Don't put him on the roster. Yeah. Then, you know, if you don't want Dave to use yeah. him, don't put him on the roster. Yeah. Put a roster together that you don't have to rely on a Colton Wong or a Steven. Yeah, what a joke that was. You know what I mean? Yeah, that was terrible. But I'm saying, but I'm saying that you have to look at each postseason individually and look at what happened and how it happened. So if, if you're, if you're looking at Roberts and he, and he has another, you know, 
Rich Hill moment or another Kershaw 2019 NLDS moment, I think it's time to get rid of him because you can't be making those kinds of mistakes anymore on the big stage. And that's becoming a common problem. I mean, uh, what was it? Uh, it was John Schneider taking out Barrios, right? In the, uh, in, in the yes, wild card. This is a this is a common problem with a lot of these new age managers that, are, and I'm not saying to abandon the neighborhood. I'm saying though, you know, keep it at arm's distance when you're in it. Use your eyes a little bit more. If your eyes are telling you this guy is dealing. Yeah, and his pitch count's under control. Uh, even even if the numbers say third time through the roster, the the opponents are hitting this number, this batting average. But leave him out there. Let him at least start the inning and see what we could do. That's where the feel is, and that's what guys like Bochi and Showalter and and Dusty Baker, even you know, say what you want about some of their successes in the postseason. But those guys have always managed with their gut, and they've had a lot of success with it. All right, let's get some to some more questions. If Otani got traded to the Dodgers at the trade deadline this past season, do we beat the Diamondbacks? How far would we have gotten in the playoffs? Oh, he couldn't pitch. It's weird because his arm got cooked after the deadline, and I don't know if that was the Angels' fault or Otani's fault or just bad luck altogether. But, um, I mean, he couldn't have pitched, but maybe he could have driven in a few runs. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like even just trading for Otani would have completely just lit up the entire Dodgers clubhouse. Kind of like the yeah. Manny would effect in 2008 with Manny Ramirez, where all of a sudden everyone just started to hit because you had Manny Ramirez in your lineup. So I think if they had traded for Shohei Otani, they probably could have won the world series, but obviously Artie Moreno is the biggest dumbass in sports and the worst owner in major league baseball at this moment in time. So that stupid face had what, had had what he deserved which is now nothing he gets one second round pick versus he could have traded otani at the deadline and set the angels up nicely for the next seven plus years right we could you know we we the dodgers could have given him their farm system and and he could have had some actual players come up through the system i do want to shout out real quick to uh Steve Moore, he says, question for y'all, was Jake a year off from his 40 and 10 start to the season? <laughs> Maybe. We'll get, yeah, we'll get. We might We might have a 40 and 10 start this year, actually. We might even have a, even better than that, 50 and 10. Who knows? <laughs> Love it. Um, so yeah, that's a great question, Steve. And then from Golf For Me too, what will Joe Kelly get compensated for giving up his number 17 for number 99? <clears throat> I'm guessing some type of automobile. I don't know if it's a car, truck, motorcycle, but I'm going that. Yeah, that sounds good. Joe Kelly's weird. He may just want a, a, a signed uh, Otani jersey in a frame. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe like maybe like a brand new mariachi outfit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did, hey, did you oh, see? You take you care see of the right his... bill. Thanks. Did you see his uh, his wife on social media created that whole video oh, yeah. them throwing out all the seventeen Joe Kelly jerseys and then she draws a a sharpie a, a ninety nine on his back in sharpie. Wow! I I uh, I love that. I I just love that all the players on this team are getting behind this move as much as they are. I mean, they're just all so just jacked up that Otani's going to be on the team. That of course. I, I don't. I think Kelly would have given up his number without any sort of return. He just kind of seems like that kind of guy. Sure. Yeah. Like I said, oh, definitely. Frame jersey. That's it. Yeah. 
the loser but, here. But I think is you're Miguel right. He's gonna ask for something weird. Yeah, exactly. The loser here is Miguel Vargas, who was number seventeen and then got it taken away from him. Yeah, I think the I think the lowest point for Miguel Vargas was the double bobblehead night with James Allen, <laughs> and he wasn't even on the roster. Oh. Hey, so don't worry, Miguel. They'll they'll have plenty of number seventeens when you're living in a van, <laughs> Tampa Bay. <laughs> <laughs> Gaither White, does Otani does the Otani signing lock Max Muncy into third base all season? Yeah, it seems like the weak link. Defensively, I mean, yes. He's your third baseman. That is what the Dodgers have committed to. You're not putting Max Muncy at second base. They've already announced Mookie Betts is the second baseman. First of all, second of all, Max Muncy is horrendous defensively at second. If you thought he was bad at third, he's even worse at second. So. I said this, I think, on the last podcast. There's going to be a lot of expectations for Max Muncy to step it up defensively at third. And so I'm sure he got the message and is going to work on it all offseason long to not bobble those grounders. Yeah, Uh, Max Muncy seems like the type of guy that would not be satisfied with playing below average defense, which he it's funny because it's like sometimes he makes some incredible plays and has shown that he has a rocket for an arm occasionally, but then he'll boot some of the most like routine plays. And you kind of scratch your head of like, why, why does that happen all the time with him? So I feel like he is really going to work at that. And honestly, if the weakest link on this roster is Max Muncy playing third base, then I think this team's going to be in pretty good shape. For sure. And and it's really not just Muncie. It's that left side of the infield. Him and Lux. Lux coming off the injury. Lux has never been a great defensive player. His best position might actually be shortstop, but that's not exactly saying much. So pay attention to that left side of the infield because I think you'll see a Chris Taylor or a Miguel Rojas finishing some of those games on, on you know, the one-run games in the ninth inning. Oh, 100%. But that's, that's an interesting infield, though. Muncie, yeah. Lux, and Mookie. Yeah, it's interesting. Definitely. This is the last question I see on deck, and it comes from William Boyce. Trade for Glass now. Sign Yamamoto. Would signing Giolito be considered overkill with all of the kids in the rotation and Bueller coming back and May eventually too? I'm going to say no. No. And here's why. Get as many goddamn pitchers as you can find. I don't care. Sign them all. Get as many as you can. Because... As we've seen, these pitchers drop like flies. I've, I mean, last year's rotation was hit with literally everything that you could think of. And we were having to call these guys up and use Michael Grove every fifth day. I mean, that was, that was rough. I mean, I, I still can't get those highlights of him getting lit up by the Reds out of my mind. Like, that was pretty horrible. I don't want to see that again. I don't want to have scheduled bullpen days. I want to have enough depth at the starting rotation spot so that we don't have to do that. And also so that we can get to October. We don't know what's going to happen with Emmett Sheehan and Ryan Pepio and Bobby Miller. We can kind of see Bobby Miller and Ryan Pepio stepping up. But Emmett Sheehan was a little rocky last year. What's Landon Knack going to do? Uh, What's Gavin Stone going to do? I mean, there are a lot of question marks with those young guys. We don't know if they're going to be, if they're, if we put them in the rotation for the entire season, are they going to be reliable? 
I think you need to have contingency plans. So I have no issue with bringing on a guy like Giolito and calling it overkill because you're going to need all these guys at some point. Yeah, put it this way, William. Let me answer. Let me answer the question this way: The Dodgers are in the pandemic. Target uh, has toilet paper. The toilet paper represents st- starting pitching. Hoard as much as that as you can. Yep, that is what the Dodgers need to do with starting pitching. If Giolito is out there, go sign him. Go sign some of these other guys who are coming off down years that may have had success in the past and and try to you know uh, bring them in as like reclamation projects because that you know. Actually, Texas kind of did this this past year with Nathan Eovaldi and Andrew Heaney and, you know, Jacob deGrom. And uh, they were able to get success out of those guys, even though their issues were more or less injury as, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, with injuries, not so much with struggles like Giolito. But I, I definitely would consider Lucas Giolito. And uh, hopefully they, you know, with the help of Mark Pryor, he can get himself back on track. But maybe not the price that Kevin, you you were saying that he was kind of garnering out there. I don't know if I would go as high as what was it, sixty million? Oh, for Giolito? Yeah, he's gonna get twenty million a year. That's the floor. Yeah, and that might be a, a bit much for the production that he provided last season. So I don't know, it's, but he has a long enough track record that you have to throw out just. 12 bad starts. This guy consistently has been in the high threes to low fours his entire career. And he usually goes 33 starts every season. So for me, if Lucas Giolito is your number four starter, a veteran, an anchor. He is durable. I'll give him that. He is very durable. So that Walker Buehler doesn't have to go out there every night and throw six innings because Lucas Giolito went out there the night before and gave you a quality start. You'll take it. And don't forget about Yarbrough. He'll be available too to start. And oh out. yeah, of course. How he could we forget? Finished the season on a high note, but he was he was pretty solid uh, out of the bullpen and making it the occasional spot start. I just hope he sticks around and can make the postseason roster this season. All right, two qu- two quick questions, and then we're going into our final thoughts to close out the show. Since Dennis Gonzalez has been hanging around a long time, got to get to his question: If the Julio Arias situation didn't occur. Do you think the Dodgers would have offered him a contract after signing Otani? I think no. I don't think they would. Because up until that situation, he was bad. He was bad. And it's not like Urias has been a dominant pitcher his entire career. Yeah, the season before, he did lead Major League Baseball in ERA, I do believe. But if you look at his advanced metrics... A guy, a, a team that's so analytically analytically driven like the Dodgers, they're gonna notice that his FIP was significantly higher than his ERA. And then you go into this season, he was getting lit up, giving up a lot of home runs, had a high ERA. I think the Dodgers were ready to move off of Urias, so I think the answer still would have been no. And also adding to that, I agree with everything you just said, Kevin. But adding to that, Scott Boris is his agent. Oh, yep. So that adds to the complications of signing Urias because we know that. Boris and Freeman have a kind of fractured relationship. So I I don't think that they would have gone after uh, Arias despite what happened. I yeah, and and I think I, I think he would have wanted to get a seven to eight million dollar deal worth anywhere from 250 to 290 million. And just given the fact he's a World Series champion, he's performed well on the big stage, they would have that would have priced the Dodgers out, and there would have been another team 
like the Yankees or the Mets or one of these other teams that would have gone after him and probably been willing to pay that. So that they just would have priced the Dodgers out anyway. Last question from Steve Moore. Serious question. I'm about to have a son about to make, about to make him Clayton. Should I consider another Dodgers name? Why not show? Hey baby. <laughs> that would be kind of sick. Shohei Moore. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. I, I, I would think uh, Walker. Walker's a solid name. Yeah, you know, like, Wa- like- Walker Moore, that's kind of sick. Walker Moore. Yeah. Dub, dub M, baby. Dub. Or, uh, or Freddie Moore. Fr- Freddie Moore is good, yeah. Or Mookie Moore. Yeah. yeah. Freddie Moore sounds like uh, the John John Lovitz character from uh, from Wedding Singer. Or is that Jimmy Moore? It might be Jimmy Moore, but but that's a, that's a great reference. <laughs> All right. We've been here for over an hour. Steve Roberts now. more. Guys, Jake, <laughs> Chris, give me a final thought, a final segment, something random you want to talk about. Um, I'm all ears for the next five to ten minutes. So the floor is yours. Entertain these people. Um I just wonder how how do we think the, the concession stands, how high the prices are gonna go uh because of this. What do you think? Are they gonna be jacked up? It's bad enough, you know, pay, pay 18 bucks for a freaking you know, beer. Uh, so yeah, you know, it's probably going to go from 18 to about 23 next season, at least. Okay. I so will, is- uh, I'll, I'll hear something I can say. So the night before the Otani news broke that before he, uh, announced it on Instagram, I was at uh, Dodger Stadium doing their uh, Top Golf, or it wasn't called Top Golf, but it was essentially that's what it was. They had this uh, golfing thing at Dodger Stadium where you could go around the entire park and hit golf balls uh, near circles in the outfield and the flag corresponded to the hole or whatever. So you go all the way around the stadium, and I just remember getting to the top of the park, which is the last hole. They only, there's only nine. You get to the top of the park. There was a long line there because it was the most picturesque hole. I'm just sitting there. I'm with I'm with David Rosenthal, one of the co-hosts of this show, and we're just we're so depressed. We're like, how the hell did we lose that to the Blue Jays? This is just shit. And like we were just like talking out loud of like this sucks. Like God damn it! All night we were just basically eulogizing Otani not coming to L.A. So to get the news the next day that he actually reversed course, so to speak, or at least reversed course in the eyes of the public narrative. It just made it so much sweeter. I think thinking that we weren't going to get him and then getting him was like an insane zero to 60 high. Wouldn't you say? I want to get back to the food real quick because I didn't get to chime in on that. Sorry. My hot take. This is not, this is not stereotyping or anything, but $25 $25 sushi will be sold at Dodger Stadium next season. I'm calling my shot now. $25 sushi. Yes. Six. I don't know if I want Dodger Stadium sushi, Kev. <laughs> it's coming. Yes, everything will go up in price. Dodger Dogs will be, I think, 8 bucks would be a new high. It's all going up. Wow. Um, yeah, that, that's a heck of a story there, Jake. And, and considering that the Dodgers have lost so many internal free agents through the years, whether you're talking Trey Turner last season, whether you're talking, uh, Corey Seager the year before that, whether you're talking Manny Machado, you know, a few years before that they've been on the losing end 
of, you know, Bryce Harper. They've been on the losing end of a lot of these big time free agents. So, yeah, no, it's 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 a pretty incredible, you know, turn of events for yeah. once. It kind of goes in their favor. And considering how the year ended, they needed this. They needed some some good news. But at the end of the day, guys, we all know championships are not won on paper. They're not won by a bunch of big names that may work in a sport like basketball, but it doesn't always work in football and it certainly doesn't always work in baseball. So you got to have balance. You got to be able to build up a bullpen. You got to be build up a rotation that's strong and, and you have to fill out the rest of these holes in, in the lineup. So uh, now that with, with the deferments, that's a major story for those other reasons. So the guys that you, you, you both were throwing out the Yamamoto's and Burns and Cease and glass now, hopefully or Jordan Montgomery or Snell, they can get one or two of those guys to really fill out this rotation because they're going to need it. I was super bummed when um, the article came out from Hornstra, which we talked about all that earlier. That was the lowest I had felt in the day. But then the moment my heroes, Bob Nightingale and even Alden Gonzalez passing who retweeted it, and Shams. De- and sh- well, not that. I'm, that's too far. I'm talking oh, about sorry. when they debunked the, the Morosi. He is on his way to Toronto news. Yes. And they said he's confirmed home in Southern California. I was fairly optimistic the rest of the day moving forward and going to sleep. I felt like that was the, that was the turn of events right there where the Dodgers were going to get back into it, piggy up and make that big bank offer. And that's exactly what happened. So when the news did officially break, I, I, I literally screamed. I was like, oh my effing God, we did it. Same. And, and like I said, I was in the middle of shaving. I had, uh, I had one, I had like, uh, my mustache. That was it. I looked like Don Mattingly. I was like, Holy shit. We got Shohei Otani, but I got to get on. I got to get on with Kevin to talk about this. It was, it was such a great moment. I mean, it's like, we all know where we were now. And I, and now I, I, I know where I was broken at the worst time though. Saturday, what? Mid morning, early. Yeah. Weird. 12 o'clock. Kevin Connors break the story, and then they have to cut away to the Arizona basketball game. And it's just like, come on, guys. Right. Yeah. Okay. Quick comment because Maria G brought him up with Ronald Acuna Jr. on a different note. How stupid does he have to feel to sign that eight year, $100 million contract? Like, why? Oh, he was coming off the torn ACL, right? I don't know. But I don't think it mattered. The Braves have, have that culture there where they sign guys kind of early on, like Michael Harris and Ozzy Albies to these like weird deals that, you know, are just long, you know, long commitments, not a lot of money, total, total money. I don't know how they get these guys to sign these deals. Austin Riley, I think, has the same kind of deal. But so last I, question, closing out the show. Sorry, go ahead, Chris. Oh, no, that, that, no, that's a good point. The, the culture. What, what Dodger free agent? In years past, were you most hyped about before the Shohei Otani news? Give me one name that you were just jaw to the floor. Hmm. Doesn't have to even be the top. Just any name. I don't, I don't give. I don't give a name. If you have one, Kev, go ahead because I got to think about this one. Yeah, jaw to the floor. Okay, so for me, I'm going back to I believe it would have been 2012 when he signed. So heading into the 2013 season. When the Dodgers announced they were going to sign Zach Greinke, mm. that's a good one. That was a big he was, one. He was pretty. He was pretty goddamn good for us. Yeah, 
Granky might be the last great free agent signing. Actually, I think I have an early memory of this one because I remember when he was on the cover of uh, Sports Illustrated. I really started getting into baseball at the time in '98. Kevin Brown. That was one for me. That was huge. World, I I was like, man, because I just we uh, we had just seen him in the World Series with the Padres, and I heard like this guy's making like tw- all this money, like twenty five million. It was a ton of money, and like I had heard he had gotten a plane, and I'm like, wow, this is pretty awesome. So it was my first introduction. So more nostalgic than anything. Uh, but yeah, Granky's a a good one. Uh, I don't know which what other I'm, one that I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say two. I'm gonna say two names. The first name I'm gonna say is Freddie Freeman, because if you remember, it was kind of similar to the Otani saga, where it was like people were reporting all these things, and it was taking forever. And like we kept refreshing our phones to try and figure out if Freddie Freeman was coming to LA. And then, and then Carlos Baerga, I think, tweeted out or uh, posted on Instagram that. He was going to the Blue Jays, similar to this. Yeah. And we we're like, oh, fuck. You know, he's going to the Blue Jays. This is it. But then, it, you know, they reversed course. And so the high of getting the news that he finally signed with the Dodgers was was awesome. The second name I'm going to say, and, and it's kind of a cop out because it's not, it wasn't a free agent, but you talk about like jaw on the floor. When we got Manny Ramirez, my jaw was on the fucking floor. Like yeah. I couldn't believe that the Dodgers were getting a guy of that magnitude because. Up until that point, I mean, we had some big stars in LA like Gary Sheffield and Sean Green. And over the years, we've had big names like that. But it just felt Manny Ramirez was just in an echelon higher than those guys. And of course, when he came to LA and all of Manny would occurred, that was the most electric Dodger Stadium had had been since Eric Gagne. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. I, I know it wasn't a signing, it was a trade, but still, yeah. Yeah. And, Definitely feel some kind of way with with Manny. That man, that was special. That's the show, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you guys for all tuning in to the first ever official Shohei Otani is a Los Angeles Dodger Incline Dodgers podcast. More of these to come. We'll probably be back in a few days to recap this Otani press conference. If you haven't already, make sure to hit that subscribe button, whether you're on the audio feed or on YouTube. We need all your support. We've already got a few new subscribers, I see. So thank you, guys. And we have our social media in our handles all there below. So follow us on X or Twitter or whatever the F you want to call it. But this was a great show, and I want to thank everyone's participation. Shohei Otani is a Los Angeles Dodger. Am I right? You are right, sir. Otani Day. Oh, boy. Here we go. All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a great evening. Go Dodgers. Go Shohei Otani. Big fly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.